Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of you, my listeners, my unlucky lounge rats. Good to have you joining us back here in the Unlucky Lounge for a brand new episode of Draft and Draft, Friday Night Podcast Edition, your draft on the go at the end of your week. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, denizen of this, the Unlucky Lounge, and joining me as always is the 2-2 that's always there for you on turn 2, despite us always saying 2-2. His name is Borok, my bear buddy. What a weekend of magic. With the MTGA Limited Open, what did you say? Interesting, interactive, and intense? Yeah, Borok. I agree with all of those I words. And I have some thoughts on how the weekend went. The future for Limited on MTGA. Give you a quick recap of some of the magic that we played over the previous weekend and talk MTG breaking news. That's right, the news cycle is live here in the Unlucky Lounge, and we are here to give you the updates. But before all of that, a few bits of housekeeping and upkeeping. As always, this show is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, BLEAV.com, or wherever you download your audio goodness. Keep your midday blues away with Believe. And the show is out there for all of you, my unlucky lounge rats, my listeners. So find us on the socials, on TikTok, on Twitter, and on YouTube, Draft and Draft Corey. You can find me on Instagram, Corey Demon Enriquez. And if the show is bringing you some joy, find us on Patreon. Patreon.com backslash Draft and Draft. Help us keep the lights on here in the unlucky lounge. And a big thank you to all of my patrons. I couldn't do this show without you. Well, that's enough of the housekeeping and the upkeeping. The Sorcerer's Broom is put back into the Conjurer's Closet. And to today's episode, we go and we start first with a brief interpretation of how the previous weekend, the MTGA sealed event went for us here in the Unlucky Lounge. Alright, Borak, I'm gonna check this flash. Three swap sources in the land. I got three more sources in deck. This is good. I can splash my ribs, Borak. I can do it. I can do it. Oh. Alright, I'll send mine efficient. Ugh. Well, it's not looking good. Oh no, early poison the cup. It's my only threat. Borak, I can't do it! I can't do it! Keep my head on straight! Adrian! 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 I did it! I did it! I gotta win! Borak, I gotta try! Alright, I'll play Razor Draugr! I'm gonna put Razor Draugr in for the next round! I can do that! More card advantage. Let's go. Oh, ah, win two, win two. We have the two and Oh, Every land in my deck is in my hand. Every land in my deck is in my hand. Ah, oh, two one. I'm gonna lose one more time. What? What am I gonna do? Keep fighting. Alright. Three wins. Four wins. Five and one. Five and one. Five and one. I can do this. I can do this. There's two more and I get to day two. I can do this. Turn four coma off of Glittering Frost and Sculptor of Winter? Yeah, I'm dead. Well, that is certainly a way to get kicked out of my main run in the MTJ Sealed Arena Open weekend. Wow. <laughs> but if you're going to lose, you might as well lose in grand fashion. You know what I'm saying, my unlucky lounge rats? It was a very fun event and a lot more skill intensive than you think. 
balancing card advantage and splashing and being able to adapt to the six packs that you open and actually make a serviceable 40 card deck. Man, I forgot how tricky it is. But it certainly gave me that nostalgic feel, just like going to a GP, sitting down with a thousand other people, all looking to create a deck out of the same format that you're drafting. A sense of community and camaraderie. And part of that was here in this event, even though it was virtual. Seeing people on Twitter post those deck picks and talking about those 20 through 23rd cards, it was very, very nice. And I hope that all of you out there had a chance to enjoy some of that MTGA limited feel and get a chance to feel it in a high skill intensive, high stakes tournament. And if you have a deck pick, feel free to send it along to me, Draft and Draft Corey on Twitter. And just to put a little bow on the recap, even though you may have enjoyed my really bad Sylvester Stallone Rocky impression, I went 5-2, and two, uh, sadly losing to that crazy play detailed at the end of that kind of talking. After that, we actually fired up one more best of three sealed pool. Since this was a very, let's say, low give type of format, one loss and you're done in a best of three queue. Well, <laughs> we won twice and then lost in the third round due partially just to some rough tempo beats. But we actually put together a pretty sweet blue-red sealed pool that wasn't necessarily giants. It was more like really cool tempo swing things. Uh, we had an Allruns Epiphany, the extra turn card. And I was actually playing, an, I think, two of the Cinderglade Giants, the 7-6 for five red-red trample. And when it dies, it deals six damage to a creature and opponent controls at random. That card does a really good impression of top-end action like Ravenous Lindworm. And every once in a while, you get a few giant synergies, like, say, with Glimpse of the Cosmos. The card has slowly impressed me a little bit more, and I even had a chance to draft it this week in random premier Kaldheim drafts. It does a pretty good impression of Ravenous Lindworm, when clearly someone else on the table is scooping them up and trying to do, you know, multicolor snow shenanigans or splashing around stuff, or maybe even more of like a focus deck, like green, red, big mana which I think is very much an archetype in this format, and still gives you enough flexibility to splash bombs that you can open up or get past to off of things like Glittering Frost and the Snow Duels. So that's just some thoughts right now on where I'm standing in the format. There's still aggressive decks. I still like the Double Spell Black-White deck, although I'm seeing it a lot less because it is so intensive on getting uncommons opened up, but you can end up with a late Blood Sky Berserker if no one else is in that deck, Less so with the Clarion Spirit, the 2-2 for 1 and a white when you cast your second spell. You make a 1-1 flying white spirit creature token. That card is just basically good in any of the white-based decks. Speaking of white-based decks, Boros is still quite good. And I'm still seeing a lot of blue-white flying going on in the best of one queue. Also, that deck has the window to play Giant Ox and Colossal Plow. Yeah, that two-card combination still seems to be relevant and kind of a thing. But let's see how this draft goes here this week. I told a lot of my thoughts, and let's get into some drafting and talk about some exciting MTG news that's seeping out of the cracks here on the eve of Time Spiral Remaster, Strixhaven, and the Hasbro stock meeting. Yeah, the shareholders meeting is happening today on time of recording, the 24th of February. There's some news coming, and let's take it all in together. But before we do that, Let's have ourselves a tradition, a celebration. Grab a drink, grab a snack, maybe even crack a pack. Let's celebrate all the good that you do. Friends, this is the untapped step. Ah. Cheers, friends, and thanks for joining me once more here in this FNP episode, Friday Night Podcast, your draft on the go. Let's go and queue up a premier draft call time. We're climbing the ladder, folks. Right now, we are... Platinum Tier 3, maybe we will make it all the way to the Mythic rating. But to do that, we gotta start with this draft right here. Our table is ready. Let's get this draft underway. Oh, excuse me. Borok, what did you put in this drink? The caffeinated bubbles are quite bubbly. Did you get those bubbles from, what, like, the Seas of Carfell? Well, to afford the Seas of Carfell, what if we take the Omen Keel to help us out? 
i.e. the rare in our pack, Cosima, God of the Voyage. This is the 2-4 that you can exile it in your upkeep, and then it basically has landfall. You either keep it exiled and give it a voyage counter, or you bring it back to the battlefield and then draw X cards, where X is the number of voyage counters on it, and then also put that many plus one plus one counters on Cosima as well. I have found more often that I'm playing the other side of her, the vehicle side, the Omen Keel. Uh, for one in the blue, it's a 3-3 legendary artifact vehicle. Whenever a vehicle you control deals combat damage to a player, you exile that many cards from the top of your opponent's library, then you may play a lands amongst them as long as they remained exiled. Pretty nice little card here, and a good way to start. Blues, not shabby at all in this format. Speaking of blue cards, there's a Pilfering Hawk in a Raven form that I would be interested in tabling. Uncommons being Spectral Steel, Boreal Outrider, man, I love this card, and Nico Defies Destiny. I would be happy to potentially table either of those uncommons because Spectral Steel is just a pretty good card and there's enough going on in the realm of auras that makes me want to still potentially play the card. But let's keep this going here as we go to pick two, pack one. The uncommons, nothing's really standing out to me. There's a Crush the Weak and an Ascent the Worthy. The third uncommon is missing. For rare, we have In Search of Greatness. This is the green, green enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, you can put a permanent spell, cast it, uh, with the CMC 1 plus the highest CMC amongst permanents you control. If not, you scry 1. More likely than not, this card is basically just scry 1 in your upkeep. It's just true. When it comes to cards I actually want to take, it's kind of between a nexus of three cards. There is a Priest of the Haunted Edge, the Darling 04 for one, a black zombie snow creature that you sack it and you give a creature minus X, minus X, or X the number of snow lands you control. There's a Frostbite, the two damage to a creature Planeswalker, or three if you control three or more snow permanents. But what I'm going to take here is a Sulfurous Mire. It is the Snow Duel for Swamp and Mountains. Grixis control builds are a thing, and I'd rather take my snow lands than my snow payoffs, like the two cards that we just mentioned a second ago. So. Yeah, we're going to take this land and go into pick three with a couple cards I'm interested in here. So we have a Giant's Amulet. It's the artifact equipment that you can pay for when it ETBs. If you do, you make a 4-4 blue giant creature token. With the equipment attached to it, equipment gives plus one plus oh, and if it's untapped, gives the creature hexproof. So it's a 5 mana 4-5 with hexproof while it's untapped. That's pretty good. There's also another Frostbite and another Priest of the Haunted Edge. I do like me a Giant's Amulet. I've come down a little bit on it since the format has continued to develop. So I think here, I'm going to take a Frostbite. Active removal works nice with the Sulphur Smire that we just took. Even if we end up in, say, some kind of main blue splashing either black or red, this card is going to make it in that build. And I've yet to actually kind of develop it. Whoa! I actually missed one card that is in this pack that I think is actually going to be the pick here. And that's Poison the Cup. Wow, I thought it was a different card when I saw it. Yeah, so instead of taking the Frostbite or the Priest or the Giant's Amulet, we're going to take the Poison the Cup. This is the terror of the format. One black black, destroy target creature, foretell for one to black. If it was foretold, you scry two. Oh, card is just very, very good. So, alright, poison the cup, get on the team. Maybe we can now go into, like, black, blue, splashing red? Seems possible. There's two priests that are floating around right now, so we might be able to find something. But now we have to make a choice whether we want to be green-based snow shenanigans. We have no reason to right now, but there is a Sculptor of Winter in the pack. The Snowland is out, which makes me a little less inclined to want to take this really nice mana ramp elf rogue creature. But Sculptor of Winter is going to make it not on our team, but on someone else's. Besides that, the Uncommons, Immersturm, Skullcairn, the Black Sackland is here. There's also an Immersturm Raider and a Cinderheart Giant. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and snap up the land. None of these commons are really screaming out at me, and I think it's just fine enough for me to take. Uh, going into pick five, this is where we're going to take a pretty easy Augury Raven here. There's really not a lot. There's another Skullcairn, which we could potentially table in this situation, since it looks like we might be one of the few drafters on the table that could be in this color combination. But if we want to play this Cosima... Let's see if we can stake our claim in blue here in pick five of pack one by taking an Augury Raven. So, with some of the breaking news that's actually coming out right now, thank goodness for friends that send you messages and let you know what's going on. Hipster of the Coast reported via comicbook.com that there is going to be a lot more in the crossover universe of magic. Obviously, 
One of the biggest hot button issues of 2020 was the Walking Dead secret lair, super divisive and divided a lot of the community. And it looks like they're really going to continue on with these crossovers and they're calling it the Beyond Universe. So they have already said kind of in a spoiler to today's conference that we can expect to see Lord of the Rings and Warhammer 40k things in the MTG universe. Well, it's happening, friends. The report said that Walking Dead Secret Lair was perhaps the best seller of all the Secret Lairs in its history. Not a long history, granted, but, you know, this is what's happening. The, the consumer spoke and, well, it's going to kind of come around for us. On a personal level, I don't mind the crossovers too much. I actually thought the Godzilla crossover in Ikoria was quite charming and really nice. The problem is when you create unique cards that are only obtainable on a small, limited time run, it creates that FOMO that can be kind of predatory in a modern age of consumerism. So I don't mind some of these crossovers, but put them in a main set or associate them with another card so that you can still obtain functional, playable copies of them outside of some kind of timer-consumer window. I don't know. And also, just make sure that whatever you cross over, that is appropriate. I think my biggest issue is that they printed a card of Negan, and it was a really cool card, but the character itself is quite problematic for younger ages. So, just some of my initial thoughts of these crossovers. Let's hope that Watsi's new division handles it responsibly. Pick six, we're gonna scoop up an Elderfang Disciple, the one one for one a black elf cleric. When it ETBs, each opponent discards a card. Yeah, the card is just fine, and if we end up with a few things that potentially have some sack stuff, we can, you know, leverage that little 1-1 one, one into some extra added value here and there. Pick 7, hey, we get to pick up a Port of Carfell. Nice little uh, illusion we had earlier in the episode, and now it's coming to light. This is the blue-black sack land. For 3 blue-black-black, you sacrifice it, mill 4 cards, and then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. Wow. Pretty cool. There is a late Disdainful Stroke, perhaps one of the biggest overperformers from the MTGA Sealed Limited tournament this last weekend, and I'm happy to play it pretty much in any control-based deck, but for now, this Port of Carfell is just really nice. We've got two different lands now that have the sack ability to get some extra ching-ching, so I'm not sad about that. Pick eight. We see two four drops that are kind of sticking out, Lijara Kinseekers and Skemfar Shadow Sage. I think I'm gonna scoop up the Skemfar Shadow Sage. It's the 2-5 you when it ETBs, each one it loses X Life, or you gain X Life, where X is the greatest number of creatures you control that have a creature type in common. You know, it's like a fine card, but it is a really good blocker, and the way this deck is developing, I am definitely in the market for a really good blocker. In our table pack, we find a Grim Draugr. So we did table at least one black snow payoff. We have a Sulphur Smire at the moment. We can pick up a few more snow things. This is a 3-2 for two and a black snow creature zombie berserker. You pay one in a snow to give a plus one plus oh and menace to end a turn. It does a good enough impression of getting damage through, especially if we can keep removing things and you know pushing forward. I'm hoping to maybe in the next two packs table one of our Priests of the Forgotten Edge. That would be really, really nice. Sadly, we do not table one here in pick 10, but we do see a Bind the Monster. We're gonna take it over a Draugr Thought Thief. We have one Poison the Cup, but Bind the Monster does enough work for me to wanna play it. Ascent the Worthy, the Black-White Saga did table, but that card has not been impressive in any build that I've ever seen so far. And hey, there's the Priest of the Haunted Edge that did table. I'm very happy to see this. The 0-4 for one to black, you sack it. Target creature gets my sex, my sex, till end of turn where X is the number of snowlands you control. Sorcery speed, wow, that's really good. We've got a number of solid defensive creatures with Priest, Elderfang Disciple, Skemfar's Shadow Sage, even Cosima does a really good defensive impression here. Wow, I like our defensive positioning right now, Borok. Yeah, and that early pick, Sulphur Smire, is looking really nice as we do table a Cinderheart Giant out of that troublesome pack where we had that Sulphur Smire. So, hey, we tabled a little something. We probably won't play the Cinderheart Giant. We are going to get a late little Undersea Invader. The 5-6 Flash enters tapped. Big old giant thing. Not a fan of it. But, hey, 
we have three solid bits of removal, some great defensive creatures. This is going to be some classic Grixis control. If we find a raise the Draugr, maybe a way down, we're going to have ourselves a really good removal and value package at the same time. Here we go. Pick one, pack two. The rare is Waking the Trolls, Uncommons, Rune of Sustenance, Lichar, Glade Warden, and the Weathered Runestone, none of which are appealing to me. Going to the commons, there is a Snow-Covered Swamp, which I'm interested in, especially if we want to make this Priest of the Haunted Edge work. There's also a Mistwalker, the 1-4 Flying Changeling, that can uh, pump itself and reduce its toughness for 1 and a blue. I think I'm just going to take this card. Really consistent, great flying blocker. Hopefully we can table the Snow-Covered Swamp and continue to make the Priest of the Haunted Edge work. Going into pick 2, we see a Dream Devourer. Ooh, the Demon Cleric, one and a black, that each non-land card in your hand without foretell has foretell, and it's cost reduced by two. And whenever you foretell a card, it itself gets plus two plus O until end of turn. Yeah, I could be interested in that. We can just, like, just foretell a bunch of control stuff and then, you know, dump out our hand on a big turn. There is a Race the Draugr. There's also a Targid's Shadow in this pack. Did I say Targid because I couldn't know how to say that word a second ago? No, I wouldn't do that. Oh my gosh. I am not Susporok. <laughs> you know what? Let's go with the rare. I do like a Turgid Shadow, but I want to try Dream Devourer. I think this card could be really cool in this blue-black, maybe splashing a little bit of red with the Sulphur Smire control deck, but it is noteworthy just to say we haven't seen a lot of Snowlands and our opponents must be scooping them up. But, oh, speaking of snow... Narfi, Betrayer King, is in this pack. The 4-3 three for 3, blue, black. Other snow and zombie creatures you control get plus 1, plus 1. And then for snow, 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 you return Narfi from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. It's in our colors already. We've got only one snow land, unfortunately. Besides that, there is a Demon Bolt, which works really nicely with our Sulphur Smire. But Narfi is a card that I have played against a number of times. It's so hard to beat if you can start to loop it. What this does mean, though, once we take this card, we have to snap up pretty much any and all on-color snowlands that we could possibly afford. Yeah, it's going to be difficult from what we're seeing right now, but let's give it a try. Let's see if we can make Grixis snow work, maybe find a few extra snowlands along the way, and hey, I'm going to take this Rhymewood Falls. It's a Forest Island snowland, it's one of the duels, but I am... Very happy to take this one. It's on color, works nice with the Priest, works nice with the Grim Draugr, nice with the Narfi. Let's keep developing it. So friends, it looks like we're gonna see a lot more crossing over. Obviously, we have our D&D set in the summer, which is a natural crossover to me. D&D just kind of lives in the same universe as Magic. Has done for quite some time, and you know, both are Wizards of the Coast. So I didn't really mind that crossover, but now we're gonna get some really crazy things like Lord of the Rings, Warhammer 40K. Warhammer 40k, I don't know why, that feels really weird to me. When I used to be at LGS's, I felt like the Warhammer 40k and the card gaming crews are just very, very separate groups, but clearly they're bringing them together, and maybe there's a little bit of space in, say, I don't know, vehicles with Warhammer 40k? Who knows? Here we go to pick five of pack two. Oh, my science. We have another Narfi. There is a Card Doors Vicious Return. This is the Black Red Saga, which to me in general has really underperformed in this format. But there's a Sulphurous Mire, another one of our snowlands that we are actively looking for. This is the Swamp Mountain one. Wow. Yeah, like I said, I'm going to scoop up any snowlands I can right now. I want to make our snow payoffs that we've already taken work. So get on the team as we go to pick six now we have an interesting conundrum here there's a replicating ring which this card has tended to overperform a little bit can help us with a little bit of the splashing stuff we have going on but there's also a giant's amulet i do like replicating ring quite a bit and though we have you know two red lands right now we have no red cards actually in our main since we didn't take say that demon bolts instead we took the narfi i think what i'm just going to do right now is take a giant's amulet put it in the deck and not look back. I'm kind of in the market right now for some more big things anyway. I actually actively want to find a Raise the Draugr right now. I think that card would be very nice for us. Pick seven. Well, there's a Snow Cover Island still in this pack. I think we're just going to do that. I mean, there's a number of black-blue things. I think we've definitely found that we are in the black-blue deck on the table. We've established it. We have pressed the button, and we are there. Uh, there's a Grim Draugr still in the pack. There's a Draugr Recruiter. This is the 
Gravedigger, Boast Creature, not a fan. There's still a Tybalt's Trickery. Oh, Tybalt's Trickery. Folks, do you remember back when social media was all ablaze about Tybalt's Trickery ruining Standard? And now, that deck just doesn't really seem to be on the ladder anymore. So, in any case, we're going to take the Snow-Covered Island. Right now, we have one, two, three, four Snowlands. Ooh, that's nice. And hey, pick eight. Hoo-hoo. We are flying like a raven. Another Augury Raven makes it to our deck. I like that a lot. Another flying threat, an evasive threat to keep developing what we got going on. Oh, that's so nice. Here in pick nine, we can take another Bind the Monster. You know, maybe we could afford playing a second one. Seems a little loose. I don't know if we can spare the life. Besides that, there is an Infernal Pet. You know, Infernal Pet is kind of cute with Dream Devourer. Because we're going to foretell a bunch of cards in our hand, and we can just double spell with random things. Why not? Let's take the Infernal Pet. Hey, hey, hey! There's the Raise the Draugr. Hooray! Yes! I am so into that. We have how many clerics right now in our table? We have four clerics. And we have one Shapeshifter in the Mistwalker. That's a nice place to be. That's a very, very nice place to be. Here in pick 13, again, a second bind the monster we could take. Just a little loose. It's not bad against the aggro decks because you're just going to lose the life anyway and you can try and stabilize. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take an Alpine Meadow. It's kind of off color. We have no red cards right now, but with the double Sulphur Smire, we could afford potentially playing one of those. Hey, Carfell Harbinger. What we haven't found right now is uh, Behold the Multiverse. It is a very, very good card draw. This is the three and a blue draw two scry two foretell for one and a blue. If we can find one or two, then maybe the Carfell Harbinger can do some good work. Seems right now pretty unlikely. There is a Village Rites and an Immersturm Skull Cairn here. I'm going to take the Skull... You know what? No, I'm just going to take the Village Rites. I think that maybe we can produce enough little value that we can afford to play a Village Rites. And here we are, garbage time. Our removal package is looking okay, as we last pick a Mist of Lichara. Still looking for a little bit of punch through, and we're setting ourselves up nicely for a red splash. If we can find some good red bombs or red removal, and we have, what, one, two, three, four, five snowlands? We didn't table out snow-covered mountain, which is important to note, but hopefully we can get some more snowlands and some more big things as we go to pick one, pack three. There's a Rune of Flight, works nice with the Omen Kill side of Cosima, our first pick. There is a Snow-Covered Swamp. There's also a Pilfering Hawk. We have not seen a Pilfering Hawk since pack one. I've got a sneaking suspicion that maybe, just maybe, there's a blue-green Snowdrafter at the table. I don't know. What would make you think that, right? There is a Frostbite in this pack, and we can play a Frostbite pretty reasonably. I think I'm going to take that over a Snow-Covered Swamp. I, I want to get some more removal in this deck. I think that's going to be one of the key factors to a victory for us. As we go to pick two, pack one, not too much to speak of. There is a Skemfar Avenger, though. This is a nice replacement creature here. Uh, it's a 3-1 for one and a black. It's an Elf Berserker, and it replaces Elves or Berserkers you control, because when they die, you draw a card and lose one life. It doesn't do it for itself, but when it comes to Elves right now, we have two. We have one other Berserker, and we have a Shapeshifter. Maybe this card isn't as great as I'd hope it would be. The Snowland is the white-green one, so definitely not something I want to play. I don't want to play off-color Snowlands in this build. But a nice early creature can get in for some damage, and maybe we have an Elf or two die, and we can, you know, draw an extra card and have a pretty good blocker and attacker. All right, get on the Team Scumfar Avenger. Not too sad about that. In pick three, we see a Frostpire Arcanist. Oh no, I wish I would have seen this card somewhat earlier. Maybe it would have changed some of my picks, but no dice on that one. This is the 2-5 for four and a blue. Costs one less if you control a giant or wizard. And when it ATBs, you search your library for an instant or sorcery card with the same name. Put it into your hand. Uh, the instant or sorcery has to be in the graveyard. Then you get another one from your deck. We have no doubles in instant or sorceries. Actually none. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a Shimmer Drift Veil. Nice snow land. It can get us red if we need to. We're still keeping ourselves pretty open for some potential extra red equity. I think I actually want to play this Frostbite as low-costing removal. That's pretty good to interact with. So, yeah. Happy little snow land pick up there. Pick four, pack three. Whoa. Bergy Berg Bergbergs here. Bergstrider, the 4-4 four, four for four and a blue. I love Bergstrider. It's a giant wizard. When ETBs, if you paid snow, you get to ice an artifact or creature. 
If not, you just tap it for the turn. Wow. Kind of in the market for some more endgame. There is a Mistwalker. Mistwalker is going to do nice with the Raise the Draugr and the Skimfar Avenger that we took. I think I'm going to take the Berg Strider, though. Oh, that is very, very tough. Maybe with the Skimfar Avenger, I'm going to take the Mistwalker for now. They have to deal with these flying threats, and we do have double Augury Raven. I kind of like what it's doing for us, this Mistwalker. Alongside the Raise the Draugr and the Skimfar Avenger. That's a tough pick, but I, I do like where we ended up there. Pick five. Pack three. This is an easy, scooped-up, snow-covered island. We're starting to get in a good place where our Priest of the Haunted Edge, Grim Draugr, and Narfi that we took kind of early, they're starting to get paid off. There's not much else to speak of here. There's Combs Faithful. Nice little 3-1 Elf Cleric Lifelinker. There is a Depart the Realm, but I just want some more Snowlands. Let's just get some Snowlands here. Hey, I will take, though, a Disdainful Stroke, and I'll play that in the main. We mentioned it before. I'm not sad to see this kind of late in pack three. The Counterspell that counters something with a CMC of four greater for one and a blue. Get up the curve and get some really, really good play off of your opponent trying to foretell something big. So... Wizards, back to the MTG news. We are getting a bunch of spoilers uh, for Strixhaven and Time Spiraled Remastered. For example, there's now a cycle of enemy colored commands completing the cycle. I kind of think this is a cycle that goes back to the commands from the Dragons of Tarkir set. So now we have an enemy cycle aligned with the schools of Strixhaven. And I love that the Izzet Guild is actually the theater nerds in the Strixhaven school. That's me, friends. Ah, oh, just can't stop my joy. Pick seven, pack three. We're going to pick up a way down. Nice with the Priest of the Haunted Edge there. Good little late pickup for us. Pick eight, we see not too much in things that I want to play, but I will take another Grim Draugr. I think we're good enough on Snows card could be pretty good. Hey, we did table a Rune of Flight. You know, I might actually play this, uh, put it on, say, the Omen Keel, and just start swinging with Flyers. In fact, that was one of the strategies that we uh, engaged in in our sealed pool uh, in the best of three on the MTGA Arena Open. It was kind of nice. Maybe it's good enough here. Who knows? And let's go to Garbage Time. Funeral Longboat getting into the sideboard. We got a number of playables. Ah, oh, Frostbire Arcanist. Clearly no one else is doing that thing and we actively can't do it ourselves. Hey, we can play three Grim Draugrs here in our garbage time. Yeah, we'll take it. We will take it. Alright, so we're going to round out this draft here with a fairly large number of playables. And I think we got enough Snowlands to make the Narfi, the Grim Draugrs, and the Priest of the Haunted Edge. Too bad we couldn't pick up another one along the way. But will this evasive, low-to-the-ground, semi-Grixis deck work? Well... Stick around my unlucky lounge rats. We're going to take a quick break, and y'all should take one as well. We'll see you in just a minute. Welcome back, all of my unlucky lounge rats. I hope you've refreshed, refueled, and good to see you've returned as we talk some more MTG news and, of course, talk about the deck that we just drafted. But before we get to the nitty-gritty of this 40, let me finish up a few thoughts that I have about the handful of magic bits of news that came out this last week. Last spoken, we talked about Strixhaven. The schools have been revealed. I apparently am definitely at my heart an is it theater kid. Yes, the blue-red school is the theater kids. I cannot wait. I'm like smiling cheek to cheek just thinking about it. You know, I never really related with is it as a guild, but I love blue-red. And now that blue-red is in fact the theater kids, I just cannot wait to see some of the cards. I used to collect thespian stages from the gate crash set. So this is just going to fit right in my heart, the sweet spot of my magic heart. Whew, can't wait. The other bit of news that I kind of want to talk about is the kind of poor reception of the commands. You know, you're looking at the two-color commands that got spoiled for Strixhaven. All the effects are a little bit underpowered. You get to choose two of them, though, right? And those effects are part of the casting of the card. Having the flexibility in these commands, being able to pick two low-key effects, 
to combine them into some pretty powerful things, don't sleep on it. These cards are going to be better than you think they are going to be. Especially, say, like, the white-red one. It costs 5, but it's instant speed, and one of the modes is making a 3-2 creature, and then some other random stuff. Like, you're going to get your mana worth off of these commands. I really feel that's true. Same goes for the blue-red command. It's like, draw 2, discard 2, counterspell, deal 2 points of damage. It's going to add up, and these commands, I think, are going to play very nicely in not only standard, but also limited formats. You don't want these things to be too overpowered in, say, a limited sense. So, I'm pretty happy with where they are right now. Oh, one little prediction. A lot of people are talking about Strixhaven. One thing I haven't seen yet is what our MDFCs are going to look like. We don't have any indication quite yet, but it's a school of spells and spellcasting. We've already seen that they're going to be the Masterpiece Cycle, that they're going to have the really cool frame. We've already seen Cyclonic Rift in the Japanese-only frame. We've also seen Demonic Tutor. Spells are going to have, I think, a wider flavorful impact on Strixhaven 2. I think we're going to see mythic heads of the school, like, say, the Prefix. And on the backside, they're going to be a signature spell. Like a spell of their own creation. Their go-to castable spell, as it were. I would love to see a mythic creature and on the other side, their kind of mythic spell. So that's kind of my hope for what MDFCs are going to look for in Strixhaven at the larger rarity. In the same way that we have the mythic cycle here in call time of mythic creatures. And then on the other side, it's like... You know, Toroth's Helmer, Sword of the Realm for the White Legend. Uh, obviously, Tybalt and Valky being on one side and the other. Anyway, there's just some random thoughts of what I hope to see out of Strixhaven. Well, let's move away from magic news and guesses and go back to the deck that we drafted. And this is a deck that kind of changed a little bit here at the end of Pack 3. Having picked up the third Grim Draugr alongside the earlier Skemfar Avenger, that 3-1 for 1 to black, whenever another non-token elf or berserker you control dies, you draw a card and lose a life. Well, guess what? Having that third Grim Draugr, being a berserker in itself, gives us six berserkers, including the two different Mistwalkers, and we're also playing three elves. We kind of have this weird, yet nicely synergistic tribal thing going on in our deck. We are going to be doing something I haven't seen out of Black Blue quite a bit, and that's playing a lot of creatures, making them evasive with, you know, the activation of Grim Draugr, the natural flying of Mistwalker, and a Rune of Flight that ended up making our deck, and just trying to get out from underneath our opponent and using solid removal, like Way Down, Frostbite, Poison the Cup, Bind the Monster, to finish off our opponents. It's like a control deck, but with early interaction. I think this deck could be cool. I think this deck could be dynamic. And I'm kind of excited to see how it plays out. When it comes to the final picks that I put in the deck, I decided to go with that more low-to-the-ground thing. Having double Augury Raven, double Mistwalker, triple Grim Draugr, and a Narfi on top of the curve, I wanted to really condense everything that we could possibly do to make this stuff happen. So, I am looking to maximize on early plays and lower removal. That's why we're still going to play that Frostbite as a singleton red card, but we have naturally five red sources just in our deck. And that also means we're going to cut some of what could be potential evasive and top of the curve things. So we cut a late Undersea Invader that we found in pack one. It's just too big and too slow for what our deck is trying to do. We also cut an Infernal Pet, and this was a hard cut for me. Because we have so much low curve going on and a Dream Devourer, we can kind of reliably cast two spells. And maybe after playing this deck out a little bit, I'll put this back in over, say, the third Grim Draugr. But I really like what Grim Draugr does alongside the Rune of Flight, the Narfi, and the various Snowlands that we have, and the Skemfar Avenger, plus the Raise the Draugr, that is going to act as a really good bit of card draw for us. The Infernal Pet just kind of looked a bit awkward in what the deck was trying to do. I'm excited. 
I think this deck could be really cool. And the fact that we have two sack lands, our Rakdos discard and our opponent loses life land, and the Port of Carfell, the reanimation land, we might have some real gas to close out the game, even though we're playing a lot of small things. How will the deck do? Well, let's find out right now. Big shout out to Nobuo Uematsu, to Ronnie James Dio for the music we're going to be listening to here today. We are going to be on the draw. We open on Sulphurus Mire, Shimmerdrift Vale, the Rakdos Sackland, and a Swamp. So two Snowlands alongside for spells a Priest of the Haunted Edge, Mistwalker, and Bind the Monster. Yep, I'm into this hand. We're going to keep it. The Shimmerdrift Vale is definitely going to name blue pretty easily here. We draw... A poison the cup. Wow. Talk about a solid set of removal that we have here already. Between bind, priest, and for poison the cup, and a relatively aggressive Mistwalker, we're doing pretty good. So our opponent opens on their own Rakdosackland, then they play Axe Guard Cavalry. This is the 2 2 for 1 red that can activate and give target creature haste until end of turn. Well, good news is Priest of the Haunted Edge should be able to block most anything they could throw down on turn 3 and then alongside the Sulphur Smire and start to act as a removal spell slowly but surely. They play an Infernal Pet. We also drew for our turn a Grim Draugr. And now on our turn we draw a Port of Carfell. Okay. And, well, I think this is going to lead us to playing our Snowland, activating the Priest to kill their pet, and then we will probably foretell the Poison the Cup. And this also leaves us open now to potentially draw an untapped land and be able to cast a couple spells in our next turn. But I think I'm pretty happy to activate the Priest right now, get rid of the Infernal Pet, and then we shall foretell our Poison the Cup and pass the turn. We're getting some solid play on our colors. We've slowed down our opponent just enough. Next turn we can definitely bind plus Poison the Cup depending on what they do. Ah, I see. They play a Craven Hulk. So that's four damage coming to our face here. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. No lies. Hey, we draw a Raise the Draugr. It's nice with the Priest of the Haunted Edge. No lies. So I think for our turn here, I'm going to Poison the Cup on the Craven Hulk. Get our Scry 2 and destroy their 4-4. We see a Grim Draugr and an Elder Fang Disciple on the top of our library. I think I'm happy... To send, let's send the Disciple to the bottom. We'll keep the Grim Draugr number two. No, I think I'd rather just have a little bit more, I guess, I don't know. I just don't think either is going to close it out because we have two separate three drops right now. We'll play the port tapped and I'm going to bind the two two. One thing that can definitely lead us to a loss is them just trying to like roll out a bunch of haste on their creatures. And I don't want to use the bind to get something too big. I think this is kind of... A great utility creature to really get them, you know, slow down just a little bit. So they foretell a card and play a Raven Wings. Well, pretty happy that I tapped down their only creature. We draw an island for a turn, and now I think we're gonna go ahead and play Grim Draugr plus our Immerstern Skull Cairn. We'll probably hold our own island just uh, to discard off of the Immerstern Skull Cairn that they can activate on their side. Now with the Grim Draugr, oh, they play another. Raven Hulk. Alright, well, that's definitely some game. Don't get me wrong. That's definitely a good one. And they're going to weigh down our Grim Draugr. This leaves them with a card foretold, a Raven Wing, and a Craven Hulk. If we can get just over the hump of this aggressive turn, set of turns that they've had, we'll be able to recover a little bit. Right now, we do have two zombies in our yard between Grim Draugr and Priest of the Haunted Edge, so we can bring back two creatures. So I think that's going to be our plan here. We're going to play our Mistwalker for the turn. Then we're going to raise the Draugr to bring back the two creatures on our turn. They'll probably get him for five by equipping the Raven Wings to the Craven Hulk. We'll discard the Skull Cairn if they decide to also activate their Skull Cairn on their turn. But we have enough card advantage. The goal question is, what is their foretold card? They're playing Black-Red, so I'm kind of putting them on Jarl of the Forgotten. I kind of feel like that could be an option that they are going to engage. They play, ooh, Tuscary Firewalker. The 3-2 uh, boasts for one colorist impulse draw. Yeah, I like this one. This one's a, a real nice one. But, we can potentially stem the bleeding here. 
if we get a little lucky. Alright, so they are going to attack with their 4-4 without equipping it, so we'll take the 4 damage, go to 10. I've not found Black Red to be too overtly successful, but if it's a deck I have to draft, I'll I'll do it. Not happily, but I'll do it. So end turn, we're going to raise the Draugr, our two zombies back to our hand, the Priest and the Grim Draugr. This gives us now a good amount of card advantage to play with. We draw a snow-covered island. Kind of like that, Priest is starting to get a little bit closer now to uh, really killing our opponent's stuff. And at least with the Mistwalker, if they choose to equip the Tuscary Firewalker, we can activate it and then trade their 4-2 Flying Boast creature. And then if we draw any additional snow land, the Priest gets to kill the Craven Hulk. The real question again is, what is that foretold card? We still have a Swamp to discard in our hand to their own Skullcairn. Ah, uh, the answer is Demon Bolt. So they did have one of the better bits of removal in the format to kill our 0-4. But the Grim Draugr can still also activate to kill the Craven Hulk. Yeah, they're going to now activate their, their Skullcairn. It's going to make us discard our, our Swamp. Glad we held the land for that. Now they're going to probably crack in for some damage here. The question is how much... They can't really attack with both creatures, because now they're tapped out. They actually just pass through the turn. Alright, that's relatively uh, beneficial for us. We draw a Disdainful Stroke. I don't mind that. Can we now activate our Port of Carfeld? We do have two. Yes, so we can actually engage in both of our Sacklands. Our own Immersion Skull Cairn and our Port of Carfeld. The Port of Carfeld can actually bring back the Priest... And we can use our activated abilities to potentially trade off our creatures. Sadly, if they do equip the Craven Hulk, we cannot. So that's two, three, four. Oh, so we actually can block and activate Mistwalker three times to trade the Craven Hulk with an equipped Ravenwing Swing. Yeah, that's what they're going for. And we're going to have to try and make these trades happen here. They just attacked with the 5-4 Flyer. Okay. So we will pass the blockers, and with just a red and a black open, if they have a run amok here, that would be pretty bad, but we're certainly going to give this a try here. We're going to activate once, twice, and a third time. And now our Mistwalker trades with their Craven, oh, with their Craven Hulk. All right, cool. So this now leaves us with simply a Tuscary Firewalker to deal with, and hey, we just drew a way down. That was convenient. So we can now just actively kill that 4-2, and I'm down for that. So let's go and get rid of that 4-2. We will exile now the Priest of the Haunted Edge. I actually would prefer to bring back the Mistwalker with the Port of Carfell. I don't think I can do it this turn since I weighed down. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and it is a 6 activated ability. So... We are going to now just attack with the Grim Draugr. We're going to activate it once... Maybe we'll do it twice here, possibly? Yeah, we will, because we can still keep up the Disdainful Stroke in our hand. So if they go for a big play, which they might, because theoretically last turn, their turn was being set up to activate the Raven Wings to keep pushing through damage. So if they have a CMC4, we could still get some gas here. No, they have a Breakneck Berserker. Oh, that is really unfortunate. Of course it's a 3-drop. So this is the 3-2 haste for 2 and a red. Ah, Disdainful Stroke, you betrayed me! You betrayed me! <laughs> oh well. What you gonna do? Hey, we drew Cosima, God of the Voyage. That's pretty good. So it is a blocker, but the Breakneck Berserker is still in position to kill us next turn with the equip of the Raven Wings. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. So... We can still activate the Mistwalker. We can still activate the port to get back the Mistwalker. But that's just us trading. Well, not even trading, but just not dying. Real shame. So I guess we're going to have to try and find a removal spell in our next turn. Oh, the port of collar fell. The creature enters tapped. Oh, I think we're actually just dead. Looking at my hand, looking at the board, there's no outs. And... I can't think of anything we could potentially mill off the port of Carfell, but we'll see. They equip with the Raven Wings, they attack, we'll activate. Another Mistwalker, Augury Raven. No, nothing with an end of the battlefield effect to save us. Well, unfortunately, the tapped claws on the port of Carfell 
And the three drop haster is going to end us with a loss here on Friday Night Podcast. Oh, Breakneck Berserker being a three drop that we couldn't answer with the disdainful stroke. Oh, that haste got us real good. I think we might have ended up with a win if it were any other four drop, but hey, thems are the breaks sometimes. The good news for this deck is that it seems that whenever I win on Friday Night Podcast, I tend to have a bad overall record, but when I lose on the show, the deck ends up doing pretty sweet. But to find out how this Grixis aggro deck performs, well, you gotta find me on socials, on Twitter, on YouTube, and on TikTok, Draft and Draft Corey. On Instagram, you can find me, Corey Damone Enriquez. And if the show is giving you some joy, think about helping us out on Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft. Thank you once more to all of my friends supporting me on Patreon. Couldn't do the show without you. Well, friends, it looks like I found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. But wait, hold up. There's a bit of magic breaking news in the works. Well, it looks like MTG on the main webpage just posted an article, Magic's Voyages to Universes and Beyond, detailing this whole expanded universe information. Looking at it here quickly, one of the more notable things is how they're going to use these future IPs like Warhammer 40k and Lord of the Rings products. They say here that they will be generally sold in all magic channels, which is good news, avoiding that FOMO that was felt from the Walking Dead secret lair, the, you know, get it now or never get it again. And that it looks like the Warhammer 40k is at least going to be a commander deck, and whatever the Lord of the Rings product is going to be, it's going to be very accessible to the public. Honestly, if this thing works out, it's going to be really cool to add some of these really cool IPs to the Magic Universe in a, oh, non-standard environment. These cards are not going to be standard legal, which I'm sure is going to be good to the overall health of a competitive constructed format. So that's good news. But it looks like they're also not dismissing the possibility that they could be doing that secret lair, walking dead shenanigans again. Well, more news is definitely to come. So subscribe to the podcast, find me on the socials, any additional information on this topic as it comes out, we will let you know. But we found the bottom of the drink, and so we've reached the end of another episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. And this has been Draft and Draft. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.